0: Welcome to this week's episode. You know, it's not always that I get to have a fellow colleague and someone who is on the same wavelength as me as a therapist. And uh, this week we got one. Elise, also known as That Relatable Social Worker on Instagram, is a licensed clinical social worker in Southern California. She's a high school school social worker, co-host of a mental health podcast titled Not Your Basic Influencers, a mental health content creator, and a relatable empathetic human being with her own live experiences. Let's get right into this awesome conversation with a colleague and friend, Elise. Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. This has been a long time coming of, you know, schedules, parenting is real when it comes to trying to figure out when a kid is napping and how to fit in recordings. But Elise, I'm so excited to have you on. You have such great content on your po- on your on your podcast, right? You have such great mm-hmm. content on your social media, and uh, you're a therapist, so why not have you on a therapist podcast? So Elise, can you kind of give us who you are, what you're about?
1: I feel like um, bam, bam, bam. That was like such a good intro.
0: <laughs> I should get that noise um, like a little button, like the bam, bam, bam. You do. You need
1: it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so my name's Elise. I'm in Southern California. I always make this joke. I feel like after five minutes of listening to me talk, you can kind of like, she sounds like she's from California. I feel like I have that like cliche Valley girl sound
0: a little bit, but it's all good. My wife's from California too.
1: I own it now. I'm like, I say like, and I say, um, but I know my shit. So I say
0: coffee, (laughs) I say water, you know, I'm from New York, even though I don't say it like that, Yeah, but it comes out once in a while.
1: That's like how people hear it.
0: Yeah. It's like, Oh my gosh, you're disgusting New Yorker. And I'm like, sorry, I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, let's see. I uh, graduated with my MSW in 2013. Um, and then became a licensed clinical social worker about almost man, three or four years ago, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: three years ago, something like that. Um, which is so interesting. Just fun fact, like learning the differences in like New York, right. And California, like the LMSW and then leading up to the LCSW, we don't have anything like that. It's like, you just kind of jump in and you're an ASW until you take this um, law and ethics exam. And that's like part of it, but it's funny how different it is. Cause I didn't really know any of those things until and I if, came on. If I would New
0: transfer York. my license now to California, I would have to take the ethics class and course. Yeah and yeah. test and take an lcsw exam again i believe yeah so See, uh, i wish they would I'm just never make going it across to California. The board. Yeah. um don't tell my in-laws but um uh, they know they're moving anyways but yeah. in the end it's really awesome to chat with the therapist right because mm-hmm. we have this like um sorority or like fraternity of like our hearts of knowing what it's like to be a therapist yeah. and dealing with burnout dealing with clients it's it's not so easy so let's start off on the positive. What has been your most exciting or what is the most um, driving force for you being a therapist? What keeps you going?
1: Well, and I want to specify because I feel like sometimes people, I don't, so I work in a high school. Um, I was hired specifically as an LCSW. That was like a requirement. Unfortunately, I'm not getting the part of like diagnosing and that piece. So I am missing that piece. Um, I feel like the positive stuff, what drives me is just the relationships more than anything. Cause oftentimes, and I know we'll get into the burnout stuff, like what becomes the challenging parts of the work really have not so much to do with the people that we're talking with, but with like the work that comes around it or the bureaucracy and like politics of agencies. Um, but I just love like those connections and the, my favorite part of this work is like saving, the cards and the notes that I get from, you know, students, clients, parents, like and hearing the impact or like one student I had didn't really make any changes like behaviorally. Right. And that was like a big challenge because nothing was really changing, but the student always talked about like, I feel like mismanaged, like you're planting seeds. I feel like you're planting seeds. And then checking in, you know, hearing from the parent years later and hearing how well this person's doing. I'm like, that's so cool. Like, we don't always see the change right away, but knowing like we're helping people like towards change um, and like letting them do it on their time. is just really, really cool.
0: I love that because, you know, I'm leaving an agency right now uh, to go a little bit more private practice, group practice-esque now that I have my LCSW. And I have a nine-year-old kid that I work with and he lost his father this year, um, randomly not because of COVID and, um, a lot of behavioral stuff and we're ending treatment. Mm-hmm. It's hard. You know, we mm-hmm. talk a lot about it in grad school and, you know, discharging and ending treatment and, and I never really had to go through this process. And it's a very weird feeling. And he looked at me and he said, Ellie, I know you're doing the best thing for you and your family, nine-year-old kid. He said, just like you always tell me to be brave. I need you to be brave. Oh my I God. Almost, I almost lost it on the video chat. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I need to be brave. But, and, you know, I love working with teens. Yeah. Adolescents and young adults is like my jam. It's mm-hmm. where I'm at, it's what I love doing. And it's right, you're right. It is about planting that seed because a lot of teenagers and adolescents aren't really making the change, quote unquote, that we expect or need or want from them as therapists for the reason they're coming to therapy yeah but it doesn't mean we don't have a massive impact on them because i've worked with a lot of teens that years later or um six months eight months a year later they'll say oh remember that conversation we had a year and a half ago like yeah i'm doing that now Mm
1: -hmm. and you're like
0: wow that took a while but sometimes it takes time to kind of percolate yeah we are planting the scene for change and that's a lovely thing to say i love that um for you um you you have a kid.
1: I have right? two. You
0: have two kids. Mm-hmm. Awesome. How is that balance of being a therapist working with kids and then like I don't know about you but like I'm always watching my daughter I'm like, "Ooh, what behaviors is she doing?" <laughs> are are you like in tune to that stuff? Are you worried about that stuff? Um yeah. I know like that's something that could be on your mind as a, as a parent um and being a therapist.
1: So it's funny because even like starting in the field. So I started working for, um, child welfare services or child protective services, DCFS, whatever you want to call it out of graduate school and was working there, um, for five years up until the time my oldest was 18 months around that time. And that alone, like I had lived, I mean, I've experienced some trauma, but like not abuse to that extent, like, especially by like my family, Mm -hmm. um, So being like witness to that after living in a bubble for so long was really interesting and challenging. And it it made me very like worrisome and protective of my kid, Um, especially that we know so much abuse and neglect and all this stuff happens by people in your circle or in your child's circle of trust. Right. So it's just one of those things that I'm always feel like my those goggles are on and I'm like Mm -hmm. always looking for signs and I'm very cautious and. Um, and it's that balance of like gosh I don't want to scare my kid away from right having these relationships and at the same time I'm gonna do what's best for me and my family and you know use my expertise in those ways too so getting into the role that I'm in now and I actually left child welfare services because of that work-life balance um, yeah, because that's, of that's, the that's
0: hard work that is one of the most overwhelming burnout <sighs> rate in any therapy world it was It's impossible, really. It was really challenging.
1: And I think for me, I say this like humbly, I'm a hard worker and my work ethic is really strong. And so it was really difficult because I didn't want to sacrifice my quality of work. So I was getting, giving a hundred percent at work and giving a hundred percent at home and it, but I, I couldn't do it. Right. So I'm like losing sleep. I wasn't like eating well. Like it was just a really, really hard time. So getting out of that and coming into school social work, I mean, it's like a dream job. Like I, you know, we don't talk about money very often, but was making more money and working like I had, I don't even know how to explain the days. Like, cause I was working overtime all the time in my other job and, you know, yeah. basically had like two weeks off a year that you sprinkled in to take like mental health days, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I work 189 days a year. I'm off like winter break, spring break summer, like I get so much more time and my days are shorter. So I have that work-life balance, but I do feel like as beautiful as it is to have like the knowledge and education that we do, it does like, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to apply everything to my kid. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh, screen time, too much screen time. Okay. How do I make sure we don't treat candy as a reward? And it's, you know, like part of here, have it with dinner. Like but always like psychoanalyzing and making sure I'm like, is this behavior normal? Uh And it's so funny being on the other end of it as a parent, because what you read in a book on how Mm -hmm. to like, you know, manage tantrums or blah, blah, blah. Like it is a different world when you're living it. Like, it's not just like a snapshot 10 minute one-time tantrum in your day. This is like an everyday trial and error situation. I love you know. that. Cause you know,
0: I read a lot of parenting books as a parent, yeah. as, a, as a therapist who works with families and when I'm helping families, they're not connected to me. So I'm giving the hard, honest truth about how to, let's say, manage a behavior, restructure, reframe a behavior, whether it's the parent's behavior or the kid's behavior, and then I'm done with it. But like with my kids, you know, I'm trying all the tricks and, tr- and things that we learn in school and the books and the trainings and all those things but then the kid and me are still there like 10 minutes later. So it's not like I can just walk out of my office, be done with it and hear about it a week later. It's the next day. It's the next hour, all these things. And I love that you brought that up about the work-life balance, I think. And the money thing, I think is something that we don't talk about as therapists. Mm -hmm. I remember one of my last days in grad school, I had a great professor. Um, and, uh, I don't want to drop names, but uh, but she's she's uh, a great professor from Fordham University, um, Professor Pamela Jones Bryce, her name is, and uh, she talked to us about how to make money in social work, mm-hmm. and people laughed, and she looked at us and said, "What are you only doing this for the goodness of your heart?" She goes, "This is your career. You need to make money. Mm-hmm. You need to survive because mm-hmm. if you want to be able to help your clients, you need to be good yourself as best as you can to survive in your life, pay mm-hmm. your bills." that's not fair to you. Yeah. And she went through this whole structuring and all these kind of conversations and what, how, when. And I thought that was so important because there's an assumption that if you're a social worker, you're in the mental health world that you cannot make a living. Yeah. And it's all about how you do it and what matters to you. Yeah. For some people, it's time off. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's working at a school because you have Let's say if you work at a private school or, and you have access for your kids to be in that school, mm-hmm. whether that, that saves money. Whether you're in public school system and you have so much time off that you actually get to spend time with your family, that's priceless, right? Mm-hmm. Those things are very important. And it's yeah. important for us as therapists to, to ask those questions, to ask for good salaries. You know, I recently been searching for jobs and people were offering me, you know, rates. I said, that's not enough for my family right now. Mm -hmm. And I found something that was. And that's what you need to do is take care of yourself. We're always so focused on taking care of others, 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 others that we don't worry about our families and our mental status and stability. Um, What has been the biggest struggle for you as a therapist, as a social worker in the world of mental health? Because you talked about the bureaucratic stuff, yeah, that's the. I think that's the biggest burnout issues. You're right. All the external things. It's like the agencies, the paperwork, yeah, uh, families, external things, hospitals, all that extra stuff that we have to do. Not just the client itself. Because usually, the client itself is not the burnout.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. And it's funny because I think people on the outside looking in tend to think that. Right. Like, oh, how do you hear all this heavy stuff all the time? I'm like, that's not the hard part. That's. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that's challenging, but that's the stuff we're kind of prepared for and going into, like especially I think for me after coming from child welfare, like having heard everything and I was in investigation. So I was the one, you know, knocking on the doors, doing those interviews, um, removing when necessary. And that didn't happen very often. So I know people think that happens all the time. Um, But coming into like this work, it's just different. And I think what's interesting um, and I love my job. The challenges with it are, you know, I work for the most part, I'm a part of a district, but I work in my school. Right. So I'm the only pretty much the only mental health professional in my school. So it's interesting and people just think different. So I'm a mental health professional in an mental health professional in an educator's world. Um, and so that comes with its challenges of just, you know, I think sometimes we all think differently, which Mm -hmm. is can be really good in trying to support the whole child. Um, but that also comes with its challenges. Yeah. I love that. Um, but what's interesting and what i love about this time off like more, with the work life balance is like the autonomy to have to do this kind of stuff on the side to like have my podcast to have like the social media platform and um that was something that i don't know i know you just got licensed like when i was working for child welfare it was like i couldn't breathe i felt like yeah. i was just working working towards licensure and i was like okay after i get licensed i can breathe and i felt like truly that's what happened. I got licensed. I left, I got this job. I took a breath. I took a couple of years just to like, get my feet wet with this new job and enjoy my family, had another child in that time. And now I'm like, cool. Like, what do I want to do for me on the side now that that piece is done? And I am loving this, the autonomy to like, just get to do what I want to do and be who I am and not feel like I have to fit this mold. Like, right. There's always red tape when you work for agencies, So there's yeah. things about who I am. I'm like, well, I can't really like put that on blast or like be that kind of person in the work setting. It doesn't come across as professional, but I can be that person over here,
0: mm-hmm. you know? And, and do you ever get any backlash for what you post or what you might post from other people? Cause I know the question I really want to, the real question is, are there any myths or expectations as you as a therapist on social media that you get backlash for, or people assume about you?
1: Not yet. I don't, I don't doubt that that will come. I really try.
0: I've gotten a few, I've gotten a few about me posting about my children, my child. Oh yeah. Um, Right. And I'm like, but I want to talk about parenting, right? Parenting is an important piece of who I am as a person. Right. And, Everyone deals. Who is a parent deals with parenting issues.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm not disclosing, yeah. you know, where my address is and 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 you know, very personal things. I'm talking right. about the struggles of general parenting that I happen to be going through as a therapist. And here are some tools that people can deal with. Absolutely. But what are some maybe expectations? You know, my wife's a dietitian, and mm-hmm. some expectations she has is you have to look a certain way, eat in a certain way, be a certain way. And when she doesn't, sometimes she gets backlash. Like, oh, you eat ice cream? She's like, yeah, it's called moderation. And I enjoy my Ben and Jerry's. Yep. So what are some expectations that are in the therapy world that you might be afraid to either post on social media or do in your real, uh, doing life that you might be judged by?
1: Honestly, I feel like coming into this work, it wasn't like legitimately until I created this account and started connecting with other therapists online that I realized I wasn't alone. And I know that sounds so like interesting, but I felt like, like, I love what I do, but there was part of me, that's like, man, I don't feel like there's people like me doing Mm -hmm. this work where I can like be fashionable still. And like,
0: um, I haven't gotten to the fashionable piece yet. I'm sorry (laughs) about
1: that. But like be quirky and like, I had just yeah. like a different, like not the blank slate therapy, not the super soft. <sighs> and I felt like initially I was like, kind of like that, but I'm like, it's not me. And I will say, I mean, I had a glimpse of that going into this current job that I have. Like when I went to apply and had my interview, I'm like, I'm just going to be myself because I know, I know my stuff and I, I don't, I don't want to pretend like I'm somebody else. And then them find out like, oh, that, that was like, so not who she was in the interview. And I came in and I, I think I made that joke. And I say, I say this all the time. I say, like, I say, um, and it doesn't take away, like me being this bubbly person doesn't take away from the knowledge that I have and really owning like my authenticity. And like, that has been a game changer for me. And even with everything on social media, cause I have some, right. I work with some students and then there's some that just like, I run this um, suicide prevention program. So some of those students follow me on social media. Some have found me, some past students that I've worked with have found me. And I have a couple of parents that I know follow me. I really just try to make sure like whatever I post, if this is brought to me, if my boss were to sit down and say, hey, like, and talk to me about something, Mm. I would be able to back it up. And I know that I drop an F-bomb here and there. And the reality for me is that that's how the kids are talking. And I'm doing it in a way of like, around mental health. And there's like a, a purpose behind it and a yeah. message behind it. That's getting to these kids. Um, and honestly, the majority of the people that follow me are not in that age range anyways, where I'm most of my grouping is like 25 to 35. So I just try to make sure that I can like kind of back that up because I do think that there's an expectation, um, around that. Mm-hmm. And but I'm okay pushing that envelope a little bit. I'm okay pushing those boundaries.
0: You're really speaking to me right now because I got to tell you, there there's like a, a part of me that worries about what if I post this and that. But at the same time, I am who I am. I'm not being inappropriate or disgusting. I'm not pro- I'm not posting inappropriate pictures, nude right. pictures, not even of my daughter, not even of me, my wife. I barely post pictures of, of you know me in a bathing suit. Yeah, you know, if I'm on vacation. Right. And I think it's really important that we need as a therapist, I love that you said the idea of like the cold kind of blank slate of therapists. Mm -hmm. There is this old school mentality of this cold, removed human being, Mm -hmm. the Freudian, how does that make you feel? Mm -hmm. Sit on my couch, you know, no emotion, no human Mm -hmm. within you with you in that room. And something that the, one of the reasons why I post so much and why I talk about therapy and mental health in the relatable way. I know you're the relatable social worker. I'm not taking that title away from you. I love that, but that's exactly why I love your account because we need to be relatable. We need to be human. We go through struggles. We go through ups and downs. We are humans on this world. And for us to show that and be that in our offices, with our clients, with our patients, on social media, to be real and raw is something that I think is more relatable and attractive for clients yeah. than being that removed, cold-hearted, no emotions on your face. Right. That's what makes real change. I think that's what makes um, real connection. And it means you do it with boundaries. Yeah. You do it with a guideline. Exactly. Don't go beyond a certain line in the sand that you create for yourself and what you feel comfortable doing. Right. And of course, with ethics and all that kind of stuff that we live by but it doesn't mean you can't be a human being and personal. And, and I love that you said that because I think it's so important. If you look, I'm not trying to bash social media accounts. I'm not, I'm really not going to name names this time. But if you look at a lot of old school therapy um, accounts or even websites, they're very bland. They're mm-hmm. very clinical and sterile. Mm-hmm. And that serves a purpose. I'm not you know, bashing that. But if you look at people who are actually making a push and change on social media for mental health, they are the colorful, loud quirky um you know personal accounts that people go yeah. oh i can relate to that
1: right well and that's i think my thing is again in owning that i knew that that was going to come with i'm not for everybody and that's a hard thing to kind of accept because sometimes when you the the more quiet you are the more you kind of pull back the more you can kind of like fake it i think and i've really had to like come to terms like i get it there are going to be some mental health professionals, right? that see see my stuff and are going to be like this is ridiculous. I can't believe this. But I don't care. And I know that I'm reaching a a population of people that do like that that are for that. And I love when you talk about the boundaries piece because again, as much as I'm saying I'm not a blank slate, I'm also not an open book. I'm not talking about every single in and out of everything I struggle with and everything I've been through and like yeah. you know, even when I share my own trauma, I'm sharing it in a way that
0: is clinical. You're
1: getting a bit of it, but I'm not like I've worked through most of my stuff, right? And yeah. I continue to work through my stuff. I'm not bringing that to the table, so yeah. it's an interesting balance of saying like I love um, Micheline and oh gosh, I can't remember her name, Evolve and Bloom, but their podcast is anxious like you, right? So the whole thing is like I'm anxious also, and they talk about their anxiety. But it's just to be have that relatability piece and that piece to say like, dude, I'm a human first before I'm anything mm-hmm. else. Like I don't, and I, that's like where I thrive. And I know many of us, especially like these millennial therapists, that's like our spot, right? We're human first.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm looking on your account just for a second, just so I can tell people you must be doing something right. You have almost 5,500 followers, right? I just rounded up because four, 5,417 is a random number. And, you know. that, that doesn't really mean success, but it means that you're doing something to touch someone and help someone. Um, and I think you're right. Who cares what other therapists think? Um, as long as you're staying in a guideline of, of healthy, productive posts and you're not being inappropriate or dangerous, right? There's nothing wrong with it. And and I love the name. I love the name of your account, the relatable social worker. I think it's so important because That's what we need to be as, as, as in the mental health world. Um, I want to just switch gears for a second, um, talk about burnout, right? Self-care, you know, as a parent, we deal with a lot. Like I was telling you earlier, my daughter was super clingy. She's not herself. It's a lot. And then you jump into like myself, I'm going to jump into work in a couple of hours being there as a hundred percent as I can while my daughter wants me and pulling me here. And I know because of COVID the roles are being so pulled in many directions, How do you handle self care as a mental health professional? How do you take care of yourself? What are some things that you can kind of give the listeners? There might be some cool things they might not have heard before.
1: I mean, I will honestly say I need to be better at it. Um, I'm much better at preaching it than I am at practicing it. And that's because of that balance, because I'm trying to figure out how to navigate the stuff that I do on the side with being present with my family outside of work. And so I tend to stay up too late doing stuff when my kids are asleep, because then at least it's not impeding my um time with my family. Right. So it is a, it is a shift. Um so I will say I need to get more sleep. That said, I sometimes honestly for me, like self-care, and I know there's this whole push on like self-care just isn't bubble baths. Well for me, like a nice hot bath is like it helps me just to like completely disconnect. But two, I think boundaries, like drawing that line, like that's self-care for me knowing like my husband will call me out when I've been, and he has been lately. Like, he's like, dude, you're doing so much for your, like, like you, you're getting a little wrapped up, right? Like I'm making TikToks and I'm doing this. And like, I like that. I like that. He calls me out because it allows me to be like, okay, is, am I doing too much? Do I need to take a step back and really like owning that and knowing that that's okay. Um, So having those boundaries around social media, I think, are really important. And for me, I think the biggest thing that I've learned that I love and thrive off of, because I'm such a doer, and if I'm at home and um, there's something to do, I will do it. And I will prioritize that over rest. So I've learned I've had to really take myself out of the environment in order to not do. And so that's sometimes leaving the house a mess, getting my kids in the car and driving, um, to La Jolla and San Diego County and like going to the tide pools and walking around the beach, um, getting into nature, like, and that's obviously the beauty, beauty part of, oh my gosh, bleh, the beauty of California is you can go so many places. Yeah. Um, you know, I can hop in the car and be in the mountains in an hour and a half, or I can hop in and <sighs> be in the car and go to the beach in 45 minutes. So I really just try to like get connected and get outside. Like that's the biggest thing for me, just getting sunshine, putting my feet that. across. You know,
0: I think you mentioned two. You know, you mentioned a lot of good things, but two things that I really want to just pull out for a second is the boundaries piece. Yeah. My wife also calls me out. She's yeah. like, "Okay, relax." You know, I get frazzled sometimes or overwhelmed by all the things I want to accomplish. Yeah. Um, I haven't. I tried TikTok. I am not good at that, and I tried it. It's not up my alley, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. But like we all have you know this idea of freedom that you talked about in the beginning of oh you know you're always constantly your hours 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 and now you have freedom that freedom is very exciting but it's also very scary because mm-hmm. now like i'm working going to be working at a private practice a group practice doing my own things on the side and i have a lot more hours yeah i was seeing like 10 to 15 clients a day at the clinic i currently work at oh. i'm going to be seeing 5 and i'm like well, what do I do now? Okay. Yep. So then it's about structure and creating these boundaries for me to not feel overwhelmed. Yeah. And I think the boundaries for self care, I know everyone talks about it's not just a bubble bath, but I love that. You're right. I, I don't have a bath that fits me. I'm six foot two, over 230 pounds. So I can't really <laughs> fit in a bath just yet. Yeah. One day when I can afford a big, big bath like Shack or something, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll get in one. And I love yeah. baths and showers. I think it's really relaxing. Yeah. We only need to find that thing that helps us kind of calm down and center. And the other thing you said is connecting to nature. I never knew I needed nature as much because I'm from New York, Um, grew up on Long Island to get to nature. It's like two, two and a half, three hours away Mm -hmm. Um, for, you know, my wife's from LA and we were there for four months during COVID and we would like jump in the car, take an hour hour drive and end up in like all these different places that were just gorgeous and breathtaking. And it's just really an amazing thing, access that you have. Yeah. But we all need to find that formula for ourselves and no one else can define that self-care for us. And right. I think it's really important to find that equation that helps us, not yeah. that helps your spouse, not that helps your kids, but helps you. Um, and you know, for you, what has been the biggest lesson during COVID right now? I'm, I'm asking a lot of mental health professionals this because I want to know, because we're dealing with it just as much as our clients, but uh, what has been one of the biggest takeaways for you? During this time, you can give two things. It doesn't have to be one. You can give. Yeah.
1: No, the the thing that comes to mind is um being intentional. I think having, oh, I, I get like emotional even thinking about this, but my second born is, uh, my son is now 13 months. And I swear, like I, when my oldest was a baby, like, even though I was in that crazy job and felt like I had like no time, I have all these memories of like them laying on my chest and mm-hmm. like. I would come home from work, even if it was 8 or 9 PM, drop my stuff on the, on the floor and like not do, I would eat at like 1030 just to spend a couple hours with him a week. And this year it's been like beautiful because my, my baby was born last February. So I was on maternity leave when COVID happened. And then, um, I returned to like online school when I was at my six week clearance and I wasn't going to go back that early, but I'm like, we're online. Part of me regrets that because I, you know, I was stressed. I was anxious. I was trying to take care of a baby and my four-year-old who's now home while trying to figure out online learning, which for a few extra paychecks. And I wish I would have just taken that time. So I have a little bit of um, regret there. And I feel like just him being the second born, like it just went so quick. Yeah. And so that biggest lesson for me has been to just really be intentional and to be um, like time. I I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it's, it goes so quick. And so just to like those moments, especially I'm sure you understand as a parent, like where everything just feels like it's taking so long or the house is a mess, like just to embrace that. And like, for me, I just always come back to like, okay, my house is a mess now, but like one day my kids aren't going to, like when my house is clean, my kids won't be here. And that makes me so sad. Yeah, And I remember seeing my son had gone outside and there was like dirty footprints across the floor. Mm -hmm. And it was like a moment like that for me over COVID, which was like, oh, that's like the cutest. Those are like the cutest little dirty footprints. Like, you know, so I just trying to like embrace the chaos right now and Mm -hmm. understand like, it's not going to be like this forever. And I'm going to miss this. You know,
0: that I'm getting emotional just hearing that because I think one of the biggest things that I've tried to promote and talk about during this time is that intention. Yeah. Um, If it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't have seen my daughter walk. Mm. I wouldn't have seen her run and play. She's now sitting at a table in a booster seat. She's one and a half years old and she's eating like a big girl. Yeah. And it blows my mind. And I look at my wife and I'm like, what happened? Yeah. And I see someone, you know, like a new dad posting, like, you know, bare chest hanging out with the dog, you know, their baby. And I'm like, I miss that. Oh my gosh, because the, like those cuddles and the naps. But as a parent, as a partner, you know, my wife, it's all about the intention. It's yeah. all about being there as much as we can at all moments that we can be. Yeah. And COVID's teaching us that we need to take that seriously because we don't know when we'll have the next opportunity to see friends or yeah. family. Or loved ones, or our coworkers. You know, whether you like them or not, it doesn't matter. You you don't you don't know when it's going to be, and it's hard. It's really hard. And embracing the chaos is so key. And I think for all of us right now, it's really about that intention of what we do with our energy and our time. You know, I love that idea about the. You know, you keep mentioning this thing, this idea of uh, this classic therapist. You know, themes of uh, of like the dirty house. Mm -hmm. That's not important
1: mm-hmm.
0: spend time mm-hmm. with your kid yeah spend time with your spouse right rest relax take care of yourself go out for an outing you know order some nice food for yourself whatever you can do the house will get clean dishes will get done that's yep. not what you need to stress about be authentic and be intentional with the things that actually matter
1: yeah I love so do you follow Glennon Doyle?
0: Of course. Who doesn't? Right. Okay.
1: So she (laughs) posted a video. We love you. I love her. She posted a video about, um, I feel like she was, I don't remember exactly the words, but what I took from it is like, she just wanted to be by herself. Right. And her and Abby were sitting in the room. She just wanted to be left alone. And like the kids came in and they were like driving her crazy. And she got really frustrated. And Abby basically said like, honey, like this is what you talked about like wanting to be more present for and it took her like out of that space of feeling frustrated and just sitting there and she talks about um oh my god what was the joke it was okay you know how like kids young kids will mess up the context of a word like they say so my son always says like oh look at that glitter on the ground Uh right litter glitter yeah It was like her teenager saying something and totally got the word, like, the meaning of the word wrong. And it was hilarious. And she's like, and now that's just almost like this core memory, right? Yeah. And it would have been missed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important. And, like, this reminds me of the movie Soul, right? Mm. Like, if you've seen it yet, have you watched it? Of course. Oh, my God. Like, that whole... Like just slowing down and understanding is again, as cliche as it is, like all those little moments are the things that really matter. And that
0: that scene, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to ruin the movies uh, with spoilers. That scene at the end where he comes out of his house and takes a deep breath. Yep. You know, I don't know if you do this, maybe because I'm a therapist and I'm always like looking and observing and watching and learning from everything that happens around me. I'm like, that's mindfulness. That's present. That's being in the moment of just taking a deep breath and appreciating the weather and your breath and your life, and, it, and I know it sounds cliche. And you know, talking about power couple Abby and you know uh, Glenn Doyle, you know why not? But uh, it is something amazing to to learn from those around us. Yeah, that being present is something that we always say. Oh, I wish I was there for this. I wish I was there for that. And you can be. Mm-hmm. It's about where your intention is and how you focus on that. You know. I can keep you here for hours because uh, therapist, a therapist, and you're so easy to talk to. Um, what is one takeaway that you would want to give to the listeners if they didn't listen to anything else this entire time? Um, which I hope they did. Um, what would be something takeaway at the end of this kind of uh, episode?
1: I would say it's just going to piggy off what we we're just talking about, and to slow the fuck down, like, Good. <laughs> be intentional, and understand that all that other shit. Like, I, if I've learned nothing, it's that my to-do list always has stuff on it and it, it's going to continue to have stuff on it. And so it's okay to take a step away and to just be, and like kind of really coming to terms with that mindfulness and being present, because it's one thing to, let's say you have to go to a birthday party. It's one thing to go to the birthday party and it's another thing to be there and mm. to be intentional when you're there. I mean, you're there anyways, you being up in your head about all the things that you need to do and all the things you're going to do when you leave that birthday party don't matter. Just like be present. And I just wish somebody would have had that conversation with me 10 years ago. I love You that. know, so I, I love, love that we're having these kinds of conversations.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much. Where can people find you? What accounts? All yeah. that kind of stuff. They're going to be in the show notes, but let's just say it out loud, anyways. Yeah.
1: So you can find me on Instagram at that relatable social worker. I'm on TikTok, that relatable social worker without the E because I like, too many letters. And then, um, I have a podcast as well, Not Your Basic Influencers. And we will be right now, our um, Instagram account is deactivated. It was too much work, but we have um, a fun season two coming and we will be reactivating it. So you can find me on there soon too.
0: Awesome. It's a great podcast. You guys should listen to it. Thank, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be in touch. And, and and thank you for really gracing us with some great insights and, and realness about what it
1: Absolutely. means. Thanks for having me.
0: Always. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist, and it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics, and really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on, I truly appreciate it because that's what make this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week. And see you next time on the Dude Therapist podcast, so we've got more guests and more great content coming your way.